0: Well, I'm uh, gonna continue our series on transformation. For those of you who were here last week, uh, my friend, one of the spiritual overseers of the church, Vinnie Secor, was with us. He came from Pennsylvania, and uh, he actually made his trip out here a part of a vacation with his family brought his four daughters, and they went to Santa Fe, they went hiking, did tons of hiking almost every day. And he also spoke here uh, during one of the Sundays, which was last week, and he spoke about community. And he uh, had this phrase about community in the New Testament was from the temple to the table. It was in a gathering daily where they would hear the word of the Lord, they would worship together, but guess what? The worship didn't stop there. They actually went to the table, and this concept of temple to table is something that is so, uh, so I hold with high conviction. I, I, I think that this, this is one of the things that is lacking in the Christian church today that the Holy Spirit wants to bring back. And when we talk about transformation, I want to talk about transformation in the context of community. Because honestly, your transformation will not happen in isolation. It actually happens in community. And so uh, one of the texts I, uh, I wanna read from, was, which was also read from last week, um, so for those of you who weren't here last week, guess what, it's a little bit of a rerun. Um, Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is in the ESV translation. Give you some time to open your iPhones and get there. This is during the early church period. This is when, um, this is when the church was just starting to explode. Um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit had happened in the upper room when 120 were gathered together. By the way, it's something to note that God mostly moved when people were gathered together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I mean, that right there. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. beginning of the church, where people didn't just meet together as a corporate worship, which we do today and we will do every, every Sunday. We, this is something that's been going on for 2,000 years, just gathering together, worshiping Jesus, taking communion together, praising the Lord, uh, uh, receiving the word, uh, reading the word of God together. That's not going to go away, but something that has gone away that needs to be added back in is the community of believers in our homes, where we're actually breaking bread together. And you know what's amazing about that is that the numbers were being added day by day, not because they were being converted in the temple, it's because people were being converted in homes because you were able and easily able to just invite people over your house and and fellowship together. This word fellowship is actually, in the Greek is called uh, koinonia or koinonia, and uh, everyone who's a Greek scholar is gonna make fun of me how I pronounce all my Greek words, so uh, it's just who I am. Bad at Greek. According to Strong's uh, Greek lexicon, Koinonia is translated as these words, fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation within the context of the Bible. And partly, this is because koinonia uh, does not directly translate into English. You, that you need multiple words to capture the idea of koinonia. And at times, it, it's, its own usage even suggests fellowship with God. Why? Because koinonia now has, because Jesus has removed the separation between God and man, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and man, now we have participation and fellowship with God. We have koinonia with God. That's why technically, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you serve Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are never alone. Because Even with God himself, you have koinonia. You're never alone. Koinonia indicates a bond based on a shared interest or goal, following after Christ, growing in his love and teachings. However, the word also emphasizes the importance of sharing material goods as a sign of following Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself. So essentially, we wanna fellowship with one another. You know, Jesus is, is, you know, I've heard people say, Jesus is perfect theology. You look at Jesus' life and you're like, that's how we should live. We should live according to Jesus. I don't know, in, in, in middle school and high school, we used to have these bands called WWJD. What would Jesus do? And ironically, it became a fashion trend. And I had non-Christian friends wearing it, not even knowing what it meant. But the reality is, is that you know, we look at Jesus and say, well, well, how did he do it? Well, you know what Jesus did? He did it in fellowship. He didn't disciple one by one. He didn't go, okay, you all go to your houses by yourselves and I'm gonna visit 12 houses every day and 70 houses every you know, week and 120 houses. You know, He didn't do all that. He said, let's come together. Let's disciple together. Look at my life Ask me questions. I'm gonna compliment you, and I'm gonna criticize you. I'm gonna build you up, and I'm gonna refine you. That's what happens in fellowship, and that's what happens in true discipleship. Listen, the, when you're a Christian, when you're actively a Christian, a healthy Christian life looks like this. You're constantly being discipled by someone or many, and you're discipling someone or many. You're just, you don't need to, you don't need to know everything to disciple, you just need to know a little bit more than the person you're giving to. And, and, and sometimes it is that way. Sometimes it's, you know, I've, I find sometimes uh, believers who've only been with the Lord for five, six months, they're discipling believers who've been with the Lord for a week or two weeks because they know a few more things than the other person. But while they're also discipling that person, they have someone else who's been experiencing God much longer and who knows the word of God much better and who's discipling them. This is what happens in fellowship and this is what happens in community. And all have different traits. Everyone has different traits, gifts and talents and, 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 and personalities. Like when I'm gathering in community with each, with, each, with each one of you at different times, just meeting with you and, you know, I don't think, man, they're so lucky to get me today <laughs> because I have everything they need. I don't think that at all. I actually think this, this way. I wonder how I can share my life with them and I wonder how they can share their life with me. I never think they have nothing for me. I don't start with judgment. I don't judge in the sense of like, uh, I'm not looking to criticize and then accept people. I'm accepting people and then I'm judging things that they give me. But I'm not doing it in a way to cut someone off. I wanna do it in a way to connect. And that's why I can't answer all your needs. Obviously only Jesus can, but there's different aspects of the Lord. There's different understandings of the word of God or different scriptures that we've lived our lives that we can share with one another to bless one another, to build one another up, to edify one another, and it will never happen while you're alone. Only happens in fellowship of community. It only happens being able to love one another and love each other so much that you'll actually Talk about conflict. And you'll say like, hey, you know, when you said this the other day, it kinda ticked me off, can we talk about it? Or hey, I saw you doing this and I don't think that's like really biblical. Can we talk about it? That's what fellowship looks like. To love your neighbor as yourself. Hopefully you love yourself enough first, but then you love your neighbor. You know it's interesting. Recently, uh, a physical neighbor of mine, uh, I, I saw her in the back, and she was um, kind of like right at our uh, fence line, and uh, you know, and she was kind of doing something odd. And so I just stared at her for a bit because I was back in the backyard, and and I was like, huh, "What's going on?" And then she saw me staring at her, and then you know, then it's like awkward. You know, I mean, she was in the backyard by my fence, I mean, so so I was like, "Hey, what's up? How, how's it going?" And and, um, and here she had this, like, little device. Now, if you haven't followed our story, we were blessed with a beautiful dog. Uh, we're the Ruins. They've blessed us with this awesome dog that we've trained, and um, they're amazing, uh, and the dog's amazing. Um, but, like, God, I think dads and husbands think differently than wives and moms do, because, like, you know, I see all these blessings, and I see, like, all the trouble it's gonna cause my life. And I see like the hard work and you know, life is beautiful but life ha- makes messes and then people need to pick up those messes and a lot of times it's either the mom or dad who has to do it all the time. And, um, and so we, we have uh, this dog and, uh, and I, you know, Ruth's super busy, I'm super busy. And, and the lady was um, my neighbor who we've just had a few conversations with. She had this like thing to like, device that was gonna supposed to like Cyper supersonic sounds to try to get my dog from barking because her dog goes outside and then our dog goes outside and they just bark at each other the whole time and 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 uh, and so I you know I caught her in the act kind of a thing and <laughs> and uh, and she she and I said I said hey what's what's going on she said oh, I'm, and, she, and then she said you know it's been really hard since she just moved there for you know a few months ago and she said it's been really hard since i moved here because my dog's always barking because of your dog always barking, and you know, and so I have this device here that's supposed to try to like get it close to her fence line to to you know keep my dog away, and and um, you know, and I thought there for a second, and I thought, man, I could really you know it's kind of weird she's not, and and then I thought, you know what? I'm gonna see her side of the story, and I said wow i'm so you never told me that you were struggling with. this she, I didn't know how to do it i didn't I, I didn't know how to say anything to you, and I said, well, that's okay. I said, I just don't want any unknown toxicity to build up between us because we don't you know if you don't tell me i don't know and so you know I said we're going to work on getting uh, our dog better trained to not bark and um, and we were chatting even this morning, and so we're working on that but that's what it looks like to love your neighbor that's what it looks like to love your fellow believers that you go you know what we're going to instead of separate from one another over conflict we're going to come together we're going to unite and we're going to not we're going to submit and not take up offense right away but take up the gift of helps how can i help you and you know as soon as i did that it was like all this fear went away from her and instead of us getting angry at one another and going, because I, I could say, well, that's not my problem, that's your problem. It's not my problem, you know, you can't stop my dog, from, you know, you can't do anything about it. So, but no, instead I said, how can I help her? And you know what, now she wants to draw closer. This is what happens when we love one another. And when we fellowship together, there's a a concept that happens in the spiritual as well as the natural. Uh, we know this amongst uh, animals, it's something called herd immunity. Have you ever heard this term? Probably in the last few years, you've heard it, right? But, but the reality is, is that, you know, one of my papers, in, in, in when I was doing a master's class on um, uh, discipleship and leadership, and, and, I, and, I, and I came up with the concept of spiritual herd immunity. It's that when we become, as a body of believers, really healthy, when someone who's broken and sick, they don't make others sick, they become healthy. Why? Because we're in relationship, and we can call one another out on some things in love, and we can choose to work these things out. I mean, there's some things that are going on in your life or there's messages you're sending that you have no idea how they're actually being communicated because you're so close to it you can't even see it. Have you ever been to school before and had someone proofread your paper? Those of you who are experienced in school know that you should get someone to proofread your paper. No matter how many times you can read over this paper, you will not see the typos, the errors, the, uh, the, the wrong formation, because you just kept reading it and reading it, and your brain tricked you into just reading the good stuff. That you actually can't see what's bad. Like you, like it's not like you're choosing not to. You literally can't. And so I, even though I think some of my papers are beautiful when I was in school, I, I would be like, I know this probably doesn't need anything, but Ruth, would you mind reading this? <laughs> and it comes back with all these changes and these marks. It's like, how did I not see that I wrote A, A, A? You know, like I repeated words in it. Or, Well, proofreading is important because in the relationship, in two people looking at the same document, you get to see things from a different perspective and make improvements. When you're in relationship with one another, there's things in your life you think you're fine and perfect. But while you're in relationship, people can say, hey, you've been reading your life this way all this time. You know, have you ever thought about this? You might have a little grammatical error right there. You should delete that from your life. You need to rewrite this whole thing, it's a mess. Doesn't even make sense. That only happens in community. Only in community will that happen, and that is how God uses community. That's how God uses discipleship, and that's how transformation starts to apply. We're not talking about joining social groups. You don't wanna join a group that just compliments you all the time. That's just like, you're amazing. You're great. There's nothing wrong with you. Do whatever you want. That's, That's a social group. That's just coming together with people who are doing the, who, who look like you, who sound like you, who dress like you, and you look like a cult. All those people in those clubs, you know, whatever they are—pickleball clubs, you know who you are. Soccer clubs. Just kidding. But what what I'm saying is, isn't it interesting that Jesus brings together a body of believers who all look different, come from different backgrounds, who, who sound different, to love one another. Why? Because as we come together, we can start refining each other through the help of the Holy Spirit and following the word of God and leaning into him. That's what discipleship looks like. That's what community looks like. Community looks like disciples, discipleship. We love one another, we honor one another, we do everything in love, we learn from one another. Challenging each other should be our everyday norm, not in a way that we're criticizing other, each other just to see what's wrong with each other, but so that we say, look, if you did this, it would work so much better for you. Romans 12, three through 13. This is our second text that we're gonna be preaching from today. It's right after Acts. Okay. I don't know how much time I'm supposed to give people, but it's on the screens. But do- always double check that what's being displayed is really in the word of God. Don't just assume. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So don't think that you're all that all the time. I'm not. I need help. I need help in community. I need brothers and sisters who meet with me and say, Paul, your, your finances need a little help. Thanks, Bob, you know? You need to make better decisions, or Paul, you're, you know, um, uh, hey, you, you need to preach the word more. You know, like I want to be challenged. I don't want it to be done not out of relationship. I want it to be done in relationship. Okay, it says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Wow. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I want to stop right there. Outdo one another in showing honor. You love one another and you honor one another. And if you can love one another and honor one another in the context of community, you can actually speak into each other's life and you can receive it. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. So these are now no longer just specific gifts that you should move in. This is for everyone to move in. So if you start with 10 again, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and here we go, seek to show hospitality. What's that? Communing together. Look. I say it almost every Sunday. I'm gonna say it until it just it's part of who we are, but this is the thing. This is not a spectator sport. We don't come to Sunday to watch and go home. We come because we're engaging in what God's doing right here in this moment. This, is, this for us is a real thing. Okay, this isn't just, I don't want to build just the most spectators I can and have biggest build. That's not our goal. Our goal is to actually experience the presence of God, to lift up the name of Jesus, to to exalt his name, to hear his word, uh, to commune together. Those are all amazing things. But this is not the point. This is just the push. The point is to actually commune together in our homes. It actually takes effort. It literally takes work. If you go home and sit on your lazy boy chair, which are amazing, by the way. I feel amazing when I'm like in a recliner. I don't know if it's like men are built for them. I just just, like when you become a dad, you just, that's all you want, like that's your goal at the end of the day. You just wanna be there, you know. But I don't know what's so good about it, but it, but if I, that community doesn't just come around you. You actually have to work for it. You actually have to like pick up the phone and text someone. You actually have to call someone, you actually have to see a need and be like, how can I contribute to this need? And I'm not talking about finances, by the way, although finances are amazing. Some have the gift of generosity and they're able to do that. But I'm talking about, can you make a meal for somebody? Can you uh, invite someone out and ask how they're doing? When someone comes to your mind, can you pick up your phone and call them and tell them you're praying for them because you know they're not gonna answer, it's gonna go to voicemail because you called and didn't text, but still, leave on the voicemail. (laughs) that you love them and you're praying for them. These are things that we do because we love one another and these are things that we do because we're in community with one another. It's something to bring healing, it's not to bring hurt. Now some people have been so traumatized by being in community in church because they really didn't experience Christ, they experienced Satan. They experienced accusation, they experienced division, they experienced trauma, because you know what? Broken people are running church. And broken people are in church. And sometimes they're so broken that they shouldn't be leading and running church. And sometimes, not sometimes, many times, people have been so hurt by church that they refuse to come back because they didn't really live in a community that loved them and that honored them. And they lived in a community that took advantage of them and maybe abused them. And, and the church has a lot of repenting to continue to do. But the thing is, we can do it right. You know, in addition to the beautiful dog we have that has added so much love and hardship to our life. <laughs> we're not getting rid of the dog, we're keeping the dog. My wife, she's such an amazing mother, and you know we have four kids, we have one on the way, and um, Memorial Day weekend, um, she advised me that, like our house, when we bought it, came with a chicken coop on the side of the house, and, um, and so it sat empty, and, and um, about a year passed by, and my wife on Memorial Day weekend said, uh, we're gonna go get some chicks for the kids. Because it'll be good. It'll be a good experience for them. We already have a It'll be a good experience. They'll experience these chickens, and it'll be, you know, it's educational. And you know, we're homeschooling, and you know. and all I'm thinking about. This is going to be so much money and work. I just do not, you know, but I learned very, very, very early to just say, sure, dear, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a great idea. <laughs> and uh, and so we've, you know, you. you Apparently, chicks don't just have eggs, you know? You have to raise them and feed them and clean up after them, and, um, and, and, uh, and it's been over six months, and we just started getting eggs, and, and then someone told me recently that they stopped laying after two years, and um, so anyway, um, so, you know, I'm like, va- I'm like weighing the worthness, and. And, uh, and the other day, I was um, building uh, just an expansion of the chicken coop, because it just wasn't enough free-range for them. And, um, and, and I'm like, can, can we just pay a few extra dollars to get free-range eggs? <laughs> like, anyway, the point is this, is that my dog, you know, is uh, a shepherd, loves to shepherd the um, chickens and, um, and they, when they're out, and so, and so my dog, Got a hold of one didn't want to, didn't try to kill it, but you know had had injured it you know just like got a little blood on it, and some feathers came out and and then but what's interesting about these chickens they're they're mean because you know they're this flock, they grew up together, this flock, but because there was a a wound that was exposed, they just start pecking this chicken whenever it's around them it's sad to see and uh and so you know and so we had to like spray it with the stuff and seclude it in, so we put it in the dog cage, in the chicken coop, because to protect it from the other chickens. Now, the chickens are trying to, uh, apparently it's like a, uh, a thing where it protects the herd by taking away the weakest, or you know, if, some, if a chicken's sick, it kinda like gets rid of them, because it'll eventually peck it to death. You didn't know this? Yeah, well, yeah, I know, it's, it's horrible. where am i going with this it's a great question i have problems i need to share them and this is i don't have community but but the the interesting thing we'll land this plane eventually the interesting thing is that um, you know when when brothers and sisters are are hurt sometimes inclination is to You know, I just wanna associate with the healthy. But the reality is, is that if enough healthy people surround them, that person can be whole because we're not chickens. And see, that's how, that's, I don't know. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Well, look, Here's, here's the danger of... Lack of community, isolation. So the enemy would love to isolate you. The enemy would just love you to think that you can do it on your own, that you have enough knowledge, that you're able to do everything by yourself, and so you should, you, it's okay to be by yourself, it's okay to just be with you, and your your small, you know, maybe even your family, but, but the reality is you can't do it on your own. And that's not how God made you. You know, you know how, they don't punish prisoners by putting them with more people. You know how they do it? They put them in isolation. It's a form of torture. They put them in isolation, and the isolation drives them mad. Why? Because they were never created to be isolated. Now, we're not in a physical prison, but the enemy will try to put you in the prison of your mind or the prison of your home to make you isolated and think that you can actually get by on your own. Well, I'm here to tell you, you will end up being unhealthy and sick you will not be good. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm an introvert, Paul. And you might even think while I'm preaching this message, I like being alone. <laughs> Just give me a book and a hot cup of coffee and, and that is okay, you can be alone once in a while. I'm not saying you can't be alone. But I also don't want you to think that community means that it's a party you know the party I'm talking about where you need to meet with everyone and put on a beautiful face and think of things to talk about because if you don't, you get nervous and then at the end of the night, you're like, oh my goodness, I just, I just don't wanna see another face again. That's not the type of community I'm talking about. That's putting on a show. That's being in a social group. The type of community I'm talking about is building enough friendship that they can see you're ugly, your ugliness, you know, not that you are ugly. Don't clip that out, media guys. <laughs> but you know, that you, that you can actually you know, say, I'm going through it right now, and, and they're okay with it. That's the type of community where you're, you're, you're getting deposits into you as well as withdrawals. That's community. It's loving one another daily. It's discipling one another daily. Ruth and I just started watching, you know, it's hard to find a TV show that's not horrible and um, there's this show, there's a show that I found this, I think it's been out for nine or 10 seasons, called Alone. And it's a show that, you know, it's amazing. They, they take these people who have a, a, a wonderful array of knowledge of how to live outdoors, and they say, we'll give you half a million dollars if you can be the lone person to survive by yourself in the woods somewhere. And I'm amazed, because I am not an outdoors person, but I'm amazed how these people with just like a hatchet and like a tent build like a whole, you know, cabin. Some killed animals and fish, and, and they're living literally off the land. And I'm trying to guess, because they're all alone. They're, they're not allowed to be, you know, together. They're in different places of like an island or a place. And, um, and I'm like, oh, that person's definitely gonna make it, because they are the most skilled outdoorsmen I've ever seen. They're killing it, they're crushing it. And a few weeks into it, they make the emergency phone call on their GPS. They cannot handle the deafening silence every day from, not being, from being alone. They just miss their family too much, they miss their friends too much. Why? Because people were never meant to live alone. When we're in community, we help shed light on deception and deceptive thinking. You know the problem is deception is deceiving. It's hard to know that you're deceived. Sometimes I think I'm fine, but you know what? I might be deceived in a certain area. I don't know. Why? Because I'm just myself. You know how I know whether I'm deceived or not? When enough people who love me come together and say, Hey, this area of your life, you might be living in deception. You might think everything's going okay. You might think your your marriage is great, your your family is great. Your, but you know, if I'm your friend and I, if I'm going into community with you, and I start seeing and say, Hey, man, do you realize you just you tear down your spouse every time I'm around you? And I see some interactions. You, you're constantly tearing down. Do you know that's not good? Right? What my friend might be in deception about them. They might i oh no, I'm just, we're just joking. My wife knows I'm joking. Like, really, have you talked to her about it? Because when I see it, it doesn't look good. How does that happen in community? Because the Holy Spirit transforms our lives as iron sharpens irons, as we disciple one another, as we love and honor one another in community. And I just wanna give you a foreshadow of where we're going as a church. We are going into a place where all our homes will be a house of community. We'll not stop doing Sunday morning, but we're gonna be developing a, a way of being able to commune together and reach our city together. And it's not just having parties, even though I'm glad we are fellowshipping and we're doing it, but it's a way of reaching our city and learning what discipleship looks like, where we can disciple one another. All right, why don't you stand? Let me pray for you. And so thankful for the word that that Josh gave. I really felt like, you know, these words are run by me before he releases them and we just read them over. But I believe that God is doing something in New Mexico and it's going to change our state. But it starts here first. The beginning of the word was powerful about breaking strongholds and things of that nature, but the end of the word was stay filled. Don't be left being thirsty. Don't be dry. How do we stay filled up? We, we continue our prayer life with God. We continue to experience his presence. We continue to read the word of God and study it. But we do it as the disciples in the early church did in community. So Jesus, I just thank you that we didn't just coincidentally end up here. God, I believe everyone was called here. Lord, I thank you that you are pushing us into a place that challenges us to be in community. Lord, would you help us honor one another, love one another, disciple one another, encourage one another, open our homes to each other. Help us pray for one another. Help us pray for our neighbors and reach out to the lost. Holy Spirit, challenge us. Maybe we think we're okay, but we're really deceived. Lord, may you speak through our spouse and through our friends, through our community and church. We break the lie that we can make it on our own, in Jesus' name. We come against every evil spirit who's trying to corner us and make us isolated. We come against that right now, in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us break that stronghold and show the world what community looks like. Lord, you said yourself that they will know us by our love for one another. The world will know us by our love for one another. May it be true. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to open up these altars if you need prayer. We want to lift you up in prayer today. Um, we want to pray with you, whatever it might be. Just, just come to the altars. Uh, other than that, may you have a wonderful, blessed week. I'll see you next week. We have uh, newcomers. If you want to go to the back desk, Malia, our youth pastor, is she's out there. Uh, she'd love to say hi to you. You can drop off your newcomers card. If you have any questions, you can. Uh, she'll answer them at our resource center, right in the back of the uh, lobby. Other than that, have a wonderful, blessed day. May God's peace with you. Be with you. May His joy, His love be with you, and we will see you soon. Bye, guys.